You know the problem with film criticism? It just isn't random enough. But academic and writer Nicholas Rumbies long ago struck upon the solution. He invented 10, 40, 70 reviews. Simply pause the movie at exactly the 10-minute mark and talk about what you see in that frame. Move on to 40 minutes, repeat the procedure, then 70 minutes. According to Rumbies, who teaches the method to his students in Detroit, 10, 40, 70 remains a powerful approach to escape tired, stale ways of thinking about films, as he told Culture File. You know, I'm a child of the 70s, and I remember when VHS came onto the scene, which in, in my part of the Midwest was the late 70s, it was amazing to be able to have some control over the film. And, you know, like the Blues Brothers or the films that I had loved growing up, I could suddenly pause and fast forward and rewind. But in the pausing, to look at a specific scene on VHS, of course, it's very distorted, you have frame drag and you have movement. And DVD then, you know, made it possible for Pristine to almost return cinema to its roots, which was the photograph, you know, those 24 frames per second when you hold up that celluloid and you look at it and you realize that these are photographs. And, and the beauty of that, you know, the still again is a source of beauty uh, in the film. Why 10, 40, 70? Well, that, that was also fairly random. And I don't know if I would do it again that way. I wanted it to be sort of thirds. And, uh, you know, so 10 minutes, 40 minutes, 70 minutes. I was thinking if you had an hour and a half film, uh, a 90-minute film that might get you through thirds. And, of course, for a longer film, it, 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 it doesn't go quite far enough. But I just like the sound of it. I, I like the rhythm of it. And it just seemed like a memorable uh, set of numbers. Of course, sometimes you find nothing. Um, you know, it might be a black screen, which is interesting to think about the amount of maybe blankness in a film that you don't know during the transitions. And I also love the fact of you don't know... It might not be a fruitful frame. It might, it might, hopefully one of the three will be fruitful, but even the ones that aren't fruitful, I thought, could teach us something maybe about the beauty of the film as it exists in stills. It's not a, a hard doctrine in a way because you will bring in information that isn't in that still. And I love that, uh, Luke, the idea of opening it up for the creativity of the writer or of the student or the critic or the fan who might say this frame is going to take me out of the film and is going to take me into a memory I have or it's going to be take me into a relationship to another film so I also I really love the idea of not being bound by traditional criticism but allowing the frame to tell you what to look for but also you uh, are assuming that you have seen the film first no that's true and I've tried it with films I haven't seen and uh, the most fruitful way I've found to use that is to think about um, can you can you tell what the film is about from 104070? In other words, do you does it how much does it reveal of a film that you might not know very much about? And in that sense, it almost becomes like you say a game. I hadn't seen uh, so a film called Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman, and uh, I, I think I had seen it as a boy, and it terrified me. Uh, he's, a, he's a Nazi hunter, and uh, I think it's Laurence Olivier who he's hunting down. But I only remember it being about that. So when I did the 104070 on Marathon Man, it, it looked like it was a happy film. It, it looked like this is sort of a, a romance, and so it gave a complete <laughs> misimpression of the film. And I love that idea, and it, it can be surprising in that way as well. 
One of the things that occurred to me was the idea that you were more on the side of the cinematographer, but also the the other arts of cinema, like set design. There was a possibility of giving things like set design more priority because the way a frame of a mirror was or a piece of furniture was might have as much to say about what was going on in the scene as the dialogue. For sure. Um, and, you know, Hollywood's, you know, developed in such a way of cause and effect and narrative serves you know, in traditional Hollywood, and I think what we've inherited from that narrative is the thing. It's you're, you're telling a story. And sometimes you get caught so caught up in the story, you forget the beauty of, like you say, set design or the, or just the, the composition of space on the screen. So I, but in photographs, we're used to that. When you look at a photograph in a museum or a book, you, that's all you look at is sort of the composition. And I love the idea of coming back and recovering that, taking the frames out of their narrative flow which can be in a great film you're so excited or so invested that you don't really notice you're not supposed to notice the invisible style in hollywood is all about hiding the process and so there was something a little bit kind of related to maybe postmodernism or deconstruction in the sense of pushing back against the way that films mystify us and entrance us which is their beauty uh, but also to push back and maybe to look at the ways in which that happens by looking like you say it's set design and frame composition do you still practice it? I practice it in teaching, and I found that it's a, a, a really useful tool for students who to, to release them from writing the typical paper where we're going to. And so, in a class I'm teaching this semester, we did it with Get Out, and you do you know, and in that, and in some films it works really well, and in that film it was really quite fruitful because the the pauses that they found, especially in the forty frame, revealed interesting things that I don't think any of us had seen before. So I find it really useful as a form of teaching, a, a playful form of teaching that, that allows students to be creative. You know, for me, it's always the driving thing. Helping, I, I love it if anything that I write can help someone else be creative and create their own, their own art. And I think a really nicely done 104070 can be something that stands on its own as its own art that respects the art of the film in some way. The big development that's happened since the height of these uh, 1040-70s is the kind of epic series, which is now the staple of Netflix and the streaming services, where you've probably had eight or nine hours, but you never have an episode that hits 70 minutes. They seem to present a kind of unique obstacle. Yes, and I'll tell you the other development, Luke, related to that is, you know, the development of really good online not you know like reddit uh critiques of these deep dives into some of these series and i find that almost in a sense that replace that replaces the need for 104070 in the longer series because you have such passionate writing even in certain reviews on imdb certainly on reddit and you know there, there are places where it's just the regular person going into a complete deep dive into the film and sort of pausing it on their own without using 104070, just looking at a scene or deconstructing it. And I find that that's sort of developed a little bit with some of these longer form series. Uh, and I think it almost that people are doing it on their own in their own way, you know, resting control and just um, seizing on moments. Nicholas Rumby's there on the joy of the pause button. 104070, constraint as liberation in the era of digital film theory, is available from Zero Books.